0: The Office of the Inspector General within the U.S. Department of Education is an independent watchdog agency charged with ferreting out waste, fraud, and abuse in both K-12 and post-secondary education. And the agency's success in doing just that have earned it broad respect and growing budgets since its 1978 creation. Because of its perceived independence, OIG's recommendations on policy matters often carry considerable weight in congressional debates. But should they? Or does OIG's singular focus on protecting taxpayer dollars, however important that may be, leave it with too narrow a view of complex policy choices? I'm Marty West, editor of Education Next, and I'm joined today by Jason DeLisle, a resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Along with Nat Malkus, Jason is the author of the article Inspecting the Inspector General that appeared in the fall 2018 issue of the journal, and is available now at educationnext.org. Jason, welcome to the Ednext podcast. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the basics. What is the OIG? When was it created? And what exactly does it do?
1: Yeah, so the the the, the Office of Inspector General at the Department of Education. Um it actually came out of and, and and most federal agencies have their own inspector general right and and they all have a similar function uh, but, they, but they came out of the so the Watergate scandals actually which which is kind of interesting um and and if you go back and you and you look at that that time period there was actually this sort of there was this big kind of separation of powers fight right where where the you know the the Congress didn't trust the executive branch, uh, and, and those two branches of government were were sort of fighting for control over information, et cetera, and so you know and obviously there were there was there was sort of some corruption and scandals and and you know trust in government was at a low, and so one of the things that Congress wanted to do was say, hey, we could have more oversight over federal agencies and the executive branch and what they're doing, if we actually create an office, an oversight office within the agency, that more or less is just is responsible to Congress, uh, and and can have broad powers to review all the documents and everything that's going on in the agency, and sort of you know as you said in in the introduction, sort of root out uh, waste, fraud, and abuse. Um, and so so really, it's it's kind of like a uh, you know an, an office within the agency that that answers to Congress and is there to to report, but also um, is fairly independent. They can come up with their own uh, agenda in terms of uh, the the types of issues they want to pursue and investigate.
0: And so the current inspector general, I believe her name is Kathleen Teague, and she uh, was appointed in 2010 by President Obama. She's in the Department of Education, but she does not report to Secretary DeVos, right? She reports directly to Congress and receives her funding directly from Congress, independent of the rest of the Department of Education's budget. Is that correct?
1: That's right. And that's and that's that sort of independence aspect, right, where the the she she doesn't answer to the secretary of education, uh, you know, was appointed by the president and sort of serves at the pleasure of the of the president. I mean, this is only because, People in executive agencies are, you know, have to be appointed by, by the president in in, in this regard. But but is actually accountable uh, to the Congress and not to the Secretary of Education.
0: And so, what exactly does it do? You mentioned that it has a budget of roughly sixty million dollars. That's climbed over time. It has two hundred thirty or so employees, including some agents who wear badges and carry guns. What type of inspections uh, are going on over at the Department of Education yeah, I mean you know
1: I think the easiest way to understand it is, is you know the sort of the the really cut and dried issues of of criminal fraud right so if you have uh, education programs it'd be maybe they're higher education, maybe they're k12 uh, where where people are actually just r- ripping off the government. so they might be, for example, Uh, submitting phony financial aid applications, right? You could have a fraud ring uh, that's submitting phony applications to get federal grants and loans and then just sort of making off with the money. Well, that's the kind of thing that the Office of Inspector General would be sort of be looking out for. Or uh, in one of the cases that I write about in the article, uh, a financial aid officer at a community college was noticing exactly this kind of behavior, uh, at 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 their school and said, um, I'm going to call the inspector general, of the Department of Education, um, and actually, the the inspector general investigates the case and then turns it over to the Department of Justice, uh, who who prosecutes it. So so really, sort of you know what we normally think of as as fraud. Now, other cases, um, you know, are are not quite as exciting, uh, and look more like sort of. Um, Sort of good accounting and good bookkeeping um, enforcement. So, if the Department of Education, um, you know, is kind of has some sloppy bookkeeping around, say, for example, what do the government student loan programs cost? Uh, and what do these income based repayment and loan forgiveness programs cost? Well, the IG said, you know, there's really not a great place where you can just go look that number up. And that's a really important number for. Um policymakers to know and for the public to know. And so the IG issues a report, uh, sort of a scathing report admonishing the Department of Education, which it sits in, saying, hey, you're doing a bad job in being transparent about what this government program costs, and you should do a better job.
0: Now, your article is largely a critique of the IG's engagement on policy issues. But one of the things that lends your analysis credibility is that you give the agency credit where credit is due. So you may just have answered this with some of the examples that you provided, but what is is it that the IG does well?
1: Yeah, and so, uh, you know, uh, I I think it's important to have a, you know, an, an independent agency um, you know, that can do exactly the kinds of um, investigating uh, you know, and transpa- transparency promoting work that that I've I've described right? and and, you know, that's it's not necessarily a um, you know for example the Department of Education um, you know may not be inclined to police itself right and and Congress is supposed to provide this oversight but Congress can't do it from outside the agency uh, so it's good to have uh, something like the IG it makes sense um, but but you know to your point sort of the thrust of the article is that. We have to keep that in perspective when we're looking at some of the findings and reports that the, that the IG um, offers. And, and this really comes down to sort of whenever there are, there are trade-offs in a policy debate, um, you know, for example, do we, want more, do we want more innovation? Well, if we want more innovation, the way to get it might be to have less regulation. Um, and we see that kind of trade-off all the time. Well, the IG, given what its mission is, uh, doesn't care about innovation, <laughs> um, and, and just because there, that's not part of their goal. Congress doesn't charge the IG with saying, uh, carefully balance the trade-offs uh, between innovation and regulation when you're when you're sort of uh, looking at looking at these issues, right? Um, and 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 I should I should point out here that these issues come up when, generally when the IG is making recommendations. And the IG does make recommendations. So we talked about the IG um, sort of pursuing cases of fraud or saying, hey, there's sloppy bookkeeping here. But as an extension of its role, the IG may say, hey, Congress, here is a set of policies that would actually help prevent waste, fraud and abuse that we think you should enact. Or if Congress is going to repeal some policies, the IG may weigh in and say, you should consider the effects this will have on uh, the ability of the government to prevent waste, fraud and abuse. And it's really there where we start to see the sort of clear-cut case of the, of the IG is always right and always on the side of the government and good and the taxpayer, it just starts to become much more muddled because we get into these trade-offs, the trade-offs that are usually the purview of Congress, and the IG can sort of wade in without having to worry about uh, any, any of the pros of the policy. They can They only need to worry about the cons, and that's what they tell you about.
0: So let's make this concrete with an example. One of the ones you discuss in the article, the IG in 2017 issued an audit and report on a institution of higher education known as Western Governors University. Michael Horn and I actually talked about this audit when it came out in 2017 on this podcast. Um, Remind us of the Basic facts of that episode: what the investigation was focused on, what the IG found, but also what the lesson you think it conveys is.
1: Sure. Uh, so Western Governors uh, University is a is a big um, online nonprofit uh, uh, university, and it qualifies for. Uh, uh, the federal student aid programs, Pell grants and student loans, um, and they 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 do something called competency-based education, which starts to sort of break down the traditional model of of higher education, where you have a um, you know a, 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 a Ph.D. professor standing before the class and lecturing, and, and and sort of students taking notes, where it's a little bit um, a, a little bit more broken down, where students um, First of all, are not necessarily bound by the credit hour, so they're not ticking off credit hours in the old model, um, and they're also not necessarily spending a lot of their time with uh, with a you know a, a professor. It might the the sort of content is online and available to them to pursue um, at at their own pace, but the their interaction is actually with um, with mentors, uh, and the this was the issue that that really. Um, that, that this was the focus of the of the report uh, that, that the IG issued, because there's actually a provision of federal law that says, if students aren't having regular and substantive interaction with the faculty, um, and, and in this case, they're requiring it to be a subject matter expert, well, that's a correspondence school. That's not distance education.
0: And presumably not something that the federal government should be spending its Higher ed dollars on is the idea right? That's
1: right, right. And so there's a provision in the law that says, whoa, 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 this is not that we're very concerned about these programs. This is this isn't this doesn't qualify for the full suite of benefits and and government money that that a you know a more traditional looking uh, college program qualifies for, right? So it's actually part of the law that's actually there to prevent. You know, kind of fly-by-night correspondence schools, from just you know taking student aid dollars and not providing educations. Well, um, Western, very few people would characterize West, characterize Western Governors University as a fly-by-night organization. Um, but the the uh, the IG used to saying, well, I, look, I, we don't know. You know, we're not really passing judgment. We're just saying here's what the law says. Uh, and here's what Western Governors is doing. I mean, they don't, we don't, doesn't look like to us that they're complying with the law. And so this sort of, you know, this took a lot of people by surprise because this is, again, to my point, it's not a fly by night, um, uh, you know, college or university. So really what happened here is that the, the law was just outdated. Um, and, and so this is a case where, you know, the, the IG is actually pointing out to policymakers and, and the Department of Education that that this you're actually operating programs that you know, are kind of outside the law. Well, okay, so easy enough, right? Change the law. right? And, and actually, it seemed like following the, the IG's report on the Western Governors University that um, there was support for changing the law such that Western governors could continue to qualify for federal student aid. But the IG uh, goes a step further and issues recommendations to Congress Um, in response to some legislation pending um, in in the House Education Committee that would actually make exactly that change. Um, And the IG says, we don't think you should make the change. Which again, here is, okay, so now we're into this. Now we've gone beyond what does the law say, we're just interpreting the law, to what should the law say? And that's that's a big leap. And this is where it's important for consumers of this information in the the education policy world to understand where the IG is coming from, which may not be clear from the reports it writes. It only cares about protecting against waste, fraud and abuse. It doesn't care about how innovative Western Governors University was. It's just saying that, OK, sure, Western Governors is OK, but there might be some really bad actors that can come in and rip off taxpayers if you change this law.
0: Yeah. So in this case, changing the requirement that students have regular and substantive interaction with a subject matter expert, the IG presumably is worried that this would allow a few fly-by-night operators to fall through the cracks. Uh, And that may be a concern, but it's one that needs to be weighed against the headaches that this law is creating for Western Governors, University, and other would-be innovators in higher education, a sector where at least uh, over the past decade or so, a lot of people have been arguing that there's a need for more and uh, better innovation.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's exactly it, where, you know, people care about college costs, it's too expensive. And, and to your point, people say, well, what's the, what, you know, why are we still stuck in this old model? Well, you know, here you have uh, an, an institution that's trying to break out of that model, uh, and the laws aren't keeping up. And when Congress tries to change the laws to keep up, the IG shows up and says, "Okay, but remember that you are actually opening the door to some some more fraud and abuse." Um, and 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 this is that trade-off where exactly to your point, where Congress says, you know, and, and some of the, poli- the policy community is saying, "Well, we've got to change this law because we want we want innovation, we want different models, we we like this competency-based approach." Um, and but you know but yes we may be concerned about fraud and abuse but it's not our only concern uh, and again this is the issue with the IG you have to remember it's the IG's only concern uh, in this case and so sometimes what you will see is you'll see press coverage of an IG report. That strongly implies the IG has weighed all the pros and cons and has come down on the side of more regulation uh, for these very vari- for these for these types of institutions. But that that isn't the case, right? You know that that's not what they're saying. They're saying we're only concerned about about the increased risk, uh, not the increased reward for less regulation. but We're only concerned about the increased risk.
0: Yeah, and no, I'm not sure it's only the media. When I worked on the Hill, the IG reports and recommendations were given a lot of uh, uh, credibility. And um, maybe because of how it's covered by the media, policymakers were very reluctant to uh, deviate from them. So its recommendations do carry weight in a way that I think uh, you know. good government organizations outside of uh congress don't
1: yeah and i and i think this is a good point to sort of point out too for for some folks who are listening is that you know the ig the ig has no sort of power to enforce its own recommendations uh, it, you know it, it can just suggest them and in fact in the case one of those you know interesting aspects of the western governor's case is as the ig is saying you know really when you get down to it is say all this money that the ig that the that western governors receive from the department of education was provided to them not, not legally. They sh- they shouldn't have received it, uh, and but they can't do any. But the IG can't do anything about that. The Secretary of Education is is actually just free to ignore them, uh, and has so far. Uh, and I, I mean that's that's sort of another way of dealing with these, right? As they say, well, we're you know the IG often you see the IG sort of complaining that, that hey nobody is following our recommendations on on these various things. But you're right. I mean it it is. You know, they're not you know, the IG the IG has a sort of bias and focus, but it's not necessarily a sort of partisan one. And so I think that's why um, the, you know, the policymakers give their their sort of findings and reports more weight. They also have access to information that nobody else has access to. They can get any document they want within the agencies that, that they're housed. and um, you know and they and they have a, they have a lot of staff and these are rigorous um reports uh so so it's a and and a, you know i think it's also again it's this uh, having access to information that nobody else has to to do your assessment you know is that's important. I should point out, though, that there are other agencies that Congress has too that do oversight, like the IG, like the Government Accountability Office, right? And and which also receives important weight uh, for for similar reasons. And that's why I think you know this this sort of uh, sort of yeah, well, you know warning for folks to make sure you put this in the right context is an important one because it's not going to it's not necessarily obvious. Um, you know and and I'll, I'll i'll give you an example of sort of how this stuff gets becomes a little bit you know, even though they're they're given a lot of weight and very objective, uh, there there are people who who will you know many people on on Capitol Hill one day who are going to hold up an IG report and say this is super important because it's found what I think what I agree with um, will just as quickly ignore one the next day that that uh, is at odds with what they think. So, for example, um, in the higher education policy world, uh, I you know I I hear a lot from. Um, uh, people who are who are very concerned about uh, you know protecting against fraud, waste, and abuse, and um, and, and sort of dubious educational programs, and uh, and so they're always holding up the IG's recommendations and concerns with respect to that issue. But when the IG recommended in its um, in, in its paper in response to the House Education Committee's recent bill on reauthorizing the Higher Education Act, um, there was a provision in there that said that that wanted to impose more more requirements on all colleges and universities to refund federal aid money if students don't finish their programs, if they withdraw from classes in the middle of the semester. Uh, And the IG said, great, love it, right? This is is more regulation. It's going to prevent fraud and abuse. It's going to get more taxpayer money back. And the broad education community hasn't, hasn't said a single thing about that provision. And if you ask them, they say, oh, well, we don't like that. And you say, well, the IG recommends it. We say, Well, we think there's a whole bunch of reasons why that would be a bad idea. And so you can see sort of both sides of this. They'll, they'll find fault with the IG's report if, it, if it's sort of convenient, right?
0: Now, we've been talking mainly about higher education, and I think it's fair to say that that's what the IG spends most of its time and energy uh, working on. That's where uh, the bulk of federal funding coming out of the Department of Education is going through financial aid and the student loan program. But uh, it also presumably looks at what the department's doing in the K-12 space. Can you tell us a little bit about how its approach uh, is evident and what it says in that area?
1: Sure, and I'll and I'll be careful here because uh, Nat Malchus, the co-author on this article and 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 helped and, and, you know helped out with this project. We did this together. is sort of the K twelve expert, and so I want to I'll just I'll be careful making sure I don't get something wrong with respect to the K twelve part. But. Um, but but when when Nat looked at this part of it and uh, you know many of the K twelve uh, investigations and and recommendations and reports from the IG we actually found quite a similar pattern even though it's a completely sort of different different part of the education pipeline um, so you know we have the sort of traditional accounting concerns right so for example the IG uh, investigated. Um, uh, and did, did a sort of review of graduation rate reporting uh, in the state of California. So, you know, Congress has these, you know, the federal government has these big grant programs and they have requirements for, for school districts and states. And, you know, some of them are, have to do with uh, reporting graduation rates. Well, the IG steps in and says, is what they're reporting reliable? And it found in cases in in, in California that these numbers weren't actually that reliable. So it's an important aspect of here you have the federal government saying, hey, one part, one accountability provision in our in our programs is going to be graduation rate. And the Congress says you know end of story, right And the IG plays an important role stepping in and saying, is that is that reliable? because uh, otherwise I don't think not many people are going to look at that and it's important. So they did and, and we and we and we learned quite a bit, right that there's a lot that goes into a graduation rate as I'm sure many of your listeners know what's in the numerator, what's in the denominator? Um, but other times we see this similar pattern of this sort of, um, flexibility, innovation versus fraud prevention and waste prevention sort of um, trade-off. And so one case we write about in the article is with respect to charter schools. Um, And you see you have federal programs that are meant to promote charter schools, um, but the IG comes in and says, well, we're worried um, about th- this money going uh, to sort of unscrupulous providers or, or taxpayers can be ripped off. And we need tighter controls around this money, uh, a, a perfectly laudable um, recommendation. Except when you, when you get right down to it, what they're saying is these charter schools, which are supposed to sort of decentralize education and provide flexibility and differentiation and independence – The IG says, yeah, well, that's sort of the problem (laughs) Uh, because that creates a lot of risk because it's hard to figure out everything that's going on. So what we need are really tight, strong, central rules coming from the top down. Uh, for charter schools. And, you know, if you know anything about charters, that just doesn't make any sense. Um, But the IG says, well, you know, you know, in their mind, like, well, look, we're just doing our job. We don't have to care about what the pros and cons are of of regulating charter schools. We just care about what the risks are if things go bad.
0: So what's the solution here? Uh, It hardly seems like a good idea to eliminate an agency like the IG that studies suggest returns two dollars on every dollar invested in its budget through its fraud prevention activities. Is it just a matter of calling on the media and policymakers to take its recommendations with a grain of salt?
1: Yeah, I think there's some of that. uh, Right. I think it's having this context. Right. And and trying and I think for for consumers of their reports and the media, you know, to understand, is this a case of just, you know, uh, fraud prevention, a clear-cut case of fraud, or is this one of these more complicated trade-off situations? Um, and so I, I think that's the first, first part of it, right? Just being aware of that and, and running through those questions before we draw a conclusion about an IG report or recommendation. But I think the second part is, you know, a little bit more uh, congressional oversight, you know, a little bit more in cases where the IG you may not necessarily be, um, be being completely fair, uh, in some cases, and and we've seen that happen, um, you know, with respect to, for example, in in responding to the the House Republicans' higher education bill, um, you know, the 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 IG is very concerned about some of the changes in there, um, but th- that it seems to be sort of a, a, a status quo bias. These weren't they weren't concerns, for example, with the gainful employment regulation. The Republicans wanted to repeal it you we can agree or disagree whether or not that's a good idea, um, the IG says, well, if you don't have this regulation in place, um, there, there are going to be big quality control problems. Well, but prior to the Obama administration bringing up the gainful employment regulation, the IG never really cared about it. Um, and so, you know, Republicans who might look at the IG saying, gee, that, that's a very suspicious recent interest in this issue... Uh, you know, are you being consistent and fair in in how you're pursuing these policies? So a little bit, I think, more oversight um, of of what the IG decides to work on and is it being consistent in how it pursues its recommendations and its oversight is certainly in order.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, we have at least a little bit of evidence that some members of Congress are trying to make the IG aware that they're looking at what they're doing uh in a appropriations bill that came out i believe the week following your article the report included some language directing the office of the inspector general to ensure its focus remains on the primary missions of the office and to consider when receiving requests from the department for investigations the most effective and best use of its resources i'm not sure whether you want to claim credit for for that language or for calling members of Congress's uh, attention to this issue, um, but it's certainly consistent with what you were arguing.
1: Uh, yeah, and you know it's it's a little bit cryptic, but they you know it is an example of where now we've kind of come full circle, right? Where Congress creates this independent agency within the Department of Education to provide oversight, and and now Congress is saying. Well, uh, you know, uh maybe work on a few other things or you know we're watching you right uh, we and, and we aren't necessarily happy with with the way that that you've uh you, you've pursued the the uh, the mission here um, so so yeah I, you know it, 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 it it's not really clear what what's going on there with with those few sentences but it's also a reminder right that the IG does respond to Congress and is there to to sort of help Congress conduct its oversight and if Congress isn't happy about that how the IG is doing that. um, That's certainly important. The IG is going to have to have to, uh, can't ignore that.
0: My guest today has been Jason Delisle, resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute and co-author of Inspecting the Inspector General, available now at educationnext.org. Jason, thanks for being part of the podcast. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Ednext Podcast. If you like what you've heard, Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to check out our archive and, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It helps us find more listeners, and more listeners find us.